Welcome to episode 15 of the F1 show for the 2007 Italian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau. And in a disaster for Ferrari on their home turf this weekend, McLaren comes out very well. In a fast but uneventful race at Monza, McLaren driver Fernando Alonso put on a clinic, winning in dominant fashion. Making it a McLaren 1-2, Lewis Hamilton followed in second and holds on to his driver's championship lead with but three points to spare. Despite the support of the Vatican and thousands of faithful Ferrari fans, Kimi Raikkonen could only bring the beloved Marquis home third after he injured his neck in practice earlier in the weekend. His teammate, Felipe Massa, retired early with rear-end trouble. Two BMWs followed, led by Nick Heidfeld, then Robert Kubica. The team continues to collect solid points and are clearly the best of the rest. Nico Rosberg continues to impress with a sixth-place finish in his Williams Toyota, staying ahead of the lead Renault of Heike Kovalainen. And for the second time this season, the rock star Brit Jensen Button finishes eighth and collects a desperately needed point. His two points close the gap to Honda satellite team Super Aguri. The latter still leads in constructor points 4-2. to two. And despite ending on that sad note, I think McLaren deserves a hoorah from us. Yes, yeah, certainly. If Fernando Alonso just put on an excellent show this weekend, overshadowing Lewis Hamilton uh, in terms of just getting the, getting the pole and uh, just dominating throughout the race. And it's definitely good to see after McLaren's had all this drama lately with all the off-track um, animosity between the teammates and the principals and so on, and then this and whole also spying, the Ferrari McLaren scandal, the whole spying scandal and the whole deal. So for them to just pounce on Ferrari on their home circuit and uh, and really just hand it to them, I, I thought was you know very good for McLaren and, and certainly good for it keeps the championship really interesting. Um, Lewis Hamilton's lead is not only three points, like Robin mentioned, and uh, it's just. You know, it really looks like it's McLaren, it's Fernando versus Lewis now for the championship. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen is 18 points back, and we do have four races to go, so it's possible, yeah. I mean, nothing's been clinched yet, but, uh, it really seems like a long shot that, uh, that Kimi, or, or especially that Massa would be able to actually get in and, and win the championship this year. Well, I agree. I mean, Massa is 20 points back from Alonso, 23 points back from Hamilton. Uh, I would say, He's, pract- for all practical purposes, definitely out of it. Kimi Raikkonen has an outside chance, but that would re- that would depend on Ferrari just coming back to these last four races and completely dominating. Uh, I think what we're going to see here is an almost historic battle between this ridiculously good hotshot rookie and an amazingly composed double world champion who is not old himself. Yeah, he's like 26 or something, and, and you know certainly just still in the middle of his career uh, by all estimations. And it was interesting, I mean, a couple of the different, uh, the, the way the deck was stacked almost against McLaren, um, and sort of a weird incident, uh, early on in the weekend, Ferrari basically called the police on uh, McLaren, and they sent all the, you know, these Italian police to go and, and just serve all, everyone in the team official notices that they're under investigation um, and including just, the drivers, yeah, and you know it's a formal legal notification. They are suspected of a crime and being investigated. Um, and this is actually totally separate from this FIA case. And uh, you know it's it's just like Ferrari just trying to pull out whatever little tricks they can. Um, there's also a change to the curbs and the second chicane um, that there's sort of some suspicion back and forth of whether that was Ferrari asking for these changes, hoping for 
hoping to slow the McLarens down because part of the McLarens' pace this weekend is just doing really, really well over the curbs. Uh, there's a couple of tight chicanes amidst really fast straightaways, and so these, getting good exits out of these chicanes is just key for a good lap time around Monza, and the McLarens just handle the curbs better than any other car out there, really. And uh, so there's some speculation as to whether it was Ferrari who have a lot of sway in the, you know, with the Italian officials and all that, or you know, just in their home home race with the FIA to say, oh, get these higher curbs on here. Let's see if we can slow these McLarens down. Obviously, they wouldn't present it that way, but that's sort of being the idea. So sort of a lot of weird little twists to try to get uh, McLaren out of it. And uh, we should mention uh, Kimi Raikkonen's big, big, big crash in qualifying or was in practice. It was the Saturday morning practice before qualifying, but I think it's important before we get there to point out that a lot of what's going on with McLaren, there's a lot of speculation going on. The whole thing with the the curbing being added on, was that something Ferrari did deliberately? That We don't know that. There's just a whole lot of speculation. And I think to a bigger picture, it really kind of sums up the unbelievable amount of tension that's grown between these top two teams. I mean, certainly the whole scandal between, you know, McLaren potentially having technical information of Ferraris has been a huge part of this. And the the two teams are just butting heads. And I think more than anybody, so much weight has been put on Ron Dennis's shoulder, shoulders. And the poor guy just turned 60 on top of it. So he, uh, I think for his team to come out and be 1-2 after... The scandals with Ferrari technical information, being handed papers that he was under investigation from the Italian police, having two drivers that are both unbelievably good but not really happy with each other and having tension in the team, to come back and turn 60 and to come back and still be 1-2 in Ferrari's home turf. I mean, that's got to be... The sweetest place to to make this victory happen. That's got to be a beautiful thing. And he was... People were saying emotional. I just thought he was really happy. Yeah, I mean, which is an emotion, I guess. But it, they were saying he was getting a little, little teary-eyed, and yeah, I, I think he was just really happy. Not super dramatic, and he actually came out with a statement uh, yesterday saying uh, he he's ruled out quitting Formula One. He says I'm not going to step down as technical director. He's going to stay at McLaren's helm, um, and it's you know something he says. Yeah, we you know we talked about it, but it's not the right thing to do. So he sort of said we're going to figure this out. I'm going to be the guy and, and make this all happen, and I think that's good for him. Well, I, th- I think McLaren absolutely needs Ron Dennis still. I, there's no one to pass the torch to yet. Yeah, there's there's really you know no one else that could I think handle this kind of you know stress and everything being put all together and, and come out. The guy with, looks good for six with a victory. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they uh, he's definitely done well, and you know just dealing with all the legal stuff. And actually, Ferrari and uh, Jean Todd specifically admitted, yeah, this spying stuff is bad for the sport. You know, this this hurts. This takes uh, attention away from the on track battles and from the the whole glitz and glamour of what Formula One is supposed to be about. Um, and it's sort of the pinnacle of motor racing, but it's also the pinnacle of grown-up man drama, as it's been written. <laughs> well, so, and they, he, Ferrari admits that it's a, that it's bad for the sport, but then they then they go on to say, but we still think it's you know important to carry through, so the truth comes out. So everyone still has a vested interest in this whole thing. That's true, but to Ferrari's credit, I mean, if if someone at Ferrari found out that a lot of technical information made it to their fierce competitor, the only real competitor they have. I mean, that is a big deal. So to their credit, this is definitely something, as a team director, I would want to get to the bottom of. Personally, I feel like that could be handled with an internal investigation. If it's a leak in your organization of someone that's you know, giving information out to the outside, that seems like something that Ferrari needs to deal with with its own people 
or maybe with McLaren. They should have a meeting on a yacht, perhaps. But does it need to go? <laughs> does it need to go through these different courts and you know these appeals processes and, and the, the threat of losing points and the I threat think of they were di- going to do that? But whose yacht? That was the problem. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, you know, there's there's so many to go around there. But there's a potential that McLaren may not even be eligible for points in the 07 or 08 constructors championships, which is ridiculous. Which I mean, that would be a huge, huge detriment to the sport. I mean, that would draw away, you know, just. That would, I think, sour so many people on the sport. And Bernie Ecclestone and, and Max Mosley have come out to say that they don't want that to happen. Um, and it's just, it just doesn't make any sense that that should happen. But then again, if, if wrongdoing, you know, something wrongdoing happened, then someone should take the blame for it. And, you know, it's, it's sort of hard to say how that should be settled. But I just, I hope the whole thing sort of goes away and they figure out, okay, you know, this guy and this guy, they've been, you know, they've been fired, maybe some fines or whatever. But, I don't want it to affect the racing on track. I think, you know, I don't want it to take points away from the guys or especially take, you know, glamour away from if Lewis Hamilton can, you know, finish out this championship and especially and win it, um, for that to be overshadowed by, oh, well, he would have won the championship, but right, little exactly. actually if Raikkonen count, wins the championship because McLaren had to forfeit, I don't think even Raikkonen would want. Or even if, if, if Lewis or, or Fernando wins the championship, but then McLaren is disqualified as a constructor, I mean, that's still, it's, I think, less of an impact, but still, that's, the big problem for McLaren and, and all the all the business involved there would just be would just be bad. And the ironic thing is, is you know, we're we're spending all this time talking about this. Nothing really new developed at Monza, but this whole bigger picture of all the tension and then the the Italian police issuing issuing investigation. It's the whole thing is is kind of coming to a head. But there's the actual court dates are coming up. Yeah, and, and just a big swing from a, a Ferrari one two in the last race to a McLaren one two this race. You know, just. Shows they're just working as hard as ever, and you know McLaren is just working through all the all the nonsense and trying to make it happen. And one thing I think is it's interesting is uh, earlier in the season, even even up to about halfway through the season, Lewis Hamilton was sort of you know naysaying about his his hopes for being the you know the rookie world champion, which is never something that's happened before in uh, in Formula One. Um, by saying, oh, no, I, you know, it's too early to say, I don't want to go out and I don't want to jinx it, you know, just sort of anytime people, you know, interviewers, especially after like the first three races. Taking it one um, race at a time. Yeah, he was just, just enjoying myself. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to set the expectation too high. Lately, no, he's, he's come out with these statements. Like, bring it, bring it on. Literally, yeah, he's like, I can take the pressure, you know, yeah, there's, you know, Alonzo's, you know, breathing down my neck and apparently there's some, some little bit, you know, the, this animosity there is, um, where Fernando isn't sharing his car setup details with Lewis Hamilton anymore, where they used to be, you know, their teammates. They're More both, speculation. They're both working for the for the good of the team. That's and not known. Yeah, that's, that's another. That's not confirmed. That's another sort of rumor, I guess. But uh, you know, and and whether that had anything to do with Lewis Hamilton's tire problem last weekend, if it was a setup issue or whatever, that's that's all sort of up in the air, sort of a question. But it is interesting to uh, to ponder sort of how Alonso can. You know, take back what's his or whatever. You know, really feel like he's got to defend this and not give anything away to uh, to his rookie teammate. But Hamilton is just fighting as hard as ever and and really thinks he's got a, a very good chance. I mean, he's leading. There's four races to go, and he's got a three point lead. So it certainly still could go any direction. But um, you know, he's just looking really strong, and I think it'd be fantastic to see him go on and actually win as a rookie. But well, I, Alonso is performing quite strongly, though, and you know. I, I think it's going to be awfully tough for Hamilton. And uh, one other thing I noticed from Monza that I was personally surprised. I mean, one thing I personally said last podcast was Ferrari is known for their really strong engines. And I think we do also have to give some credit to Mercedes and Norberg Haug and those ridiculously powerful Mercedes engines because 
They the, the Ferraris literally had nothing for McLaren. In, in any speed category, I mean, they top-end McLaren had it. Getting over the curves more efficiently, McLaren had it. The cars were just set up perfectly. Yeah, and it's it's sort of too bad. I mean, we, we expected to see, you know, sort of this, you know, call and response where, you know, one, the McLarens will set a fast tire and the Ferraris will answer and they'll sort of go back and forth. And then for the pole, it's always the, you know, the last couple of laps. It's down to the last four drivers. And, you know... Uh, uh, Fernando Alonso had his had his time set, and it wasn't his last lap that set the pole time. And everyone else sort of passed the line, and no one, you know, no one got a faster time. I mean, the, the Alonso's time stuck, and you know, even even uh, Lewis Hamilton couldn't couldn't get up to it. He had second place, so it was just you know the the McLarens had it, and the Ferraris just didn't. Yeah, and all in all, a dominant race for McLaren. And like I said earlier, it was actually a pretty boring race. I think the person that had the most interesting and difficult race was Kimi Raikkonen. Um, as as Jim was about to say, he was in a pretty nasty shunt in the final practice session Saturday morning before qualifying. Uh, pretty much totaled the car. They had to put the engine in the in the T car, the backup car. Um, Raikkonen claims that it was a driver error, but it was a very bizarre, very quick oversteer moment that happened under braking in a straight line, coming off one of the uh, long Monza straights, and. It, with all the with all it the camera precarious. angles, yeah, with all the camera angles we saw, there really didn't seem to be any time the wheels left the ground or any kind of indication that it was a bump or something like that. Um, what seems more likely is something, you know, a gearbox problem or something that, you know, maybe as a result of going over these curbs and banging the car around so much that he got up, uh, you know, hit the brakes and it was into a left-hand corner, but the car just steered right and went into the wall, sort of hit along this wall and then into a tire barrier at the end and. Um, Raikkonen was okay. I mean, he walked away, but he had a stiff neck, and that actually affected how he could sit in the car on race day and how how well he could you know look up, especially under braking and um, you know this is all the g forces that are put on the on the drivers you know especially on their necks is the biggest part of it. Um, you know that if you have a stiff neck, that can certainly affect you uh, and you know seeing what's going on behind you in the mirrors and all that. So well, one thing too that I I thought was interesting, I, I noticed in the podium that. Uh, he had his arms on the table folded, holding his chin up, and he discussed openly in their interview that he was having a hard time holding his neck up under braking. Now, these cars sustain five Gs of force under braking. He said he literally had a hard time holding his neck up. He seemed to be trying to support his neck during the post-race interview. I think he was in a fair amount of pain, yeah. which made his weekend that much more difficult. He had to battle... Uh, the McLaren of Lewis Hamilton, a battle which he lost. Yeah, well, a little more info on that. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen did a one-stop strategy, so he pitted near the middle of the race, and uh, and the McLarens were both on two-stop strategies. So after, uh, so with about, I don't know, it was about 15 laps to go, um, Lewis Hamilton did his uh, pit stop from second place. It put him out in third behind Raikkonen. Uh, and then, and so Raikkonen's already done all the, he's done his one and only pit stop. He's going, he's sort of on a medium fuel load, burning it off and, and, and driving around and, uh, you know, just trying to hold his head up. And, uh, Lewis Hamilton just comes out. He does a really, really good in lap to the pits, really fast, you know, pit in, pit out, really, really good out lap. And, uh, just gets the tires up to temp and just starts hounding Raikkonen, you know, and, uh, Lewis admitted in the interview that when he first pulled out of the pits and sort of saw the time differential, he didn't think it would be possible to catch up to him. But, uh, you know, with Raikkonen's uh, slower pace, uh, Lewis ha- actually caught him in like four laps and made this pass that it sort of came out of the blue for both the drivers, um, where uh, Lewis just caught up to Raikkonen much more quickly than he thought he was going to and, you know, just outbroke him into turn one and, and just did a, just a really pretty brilliant pass to, uh, you know, on, on Kimi. 
um, that it looks like Kimi just didn't see him coming, and by the time he saw it, it was too late, and Lewis Hamilton had gotten around and got second place. So that was definitely unfortunate for Kimi, and, and that seems like a sort of a, a side effect of this whole sore neck issue. But good job, Lewis, to take advantage of that and, and not give up when it looked like it was a long shot. And I would say even more so, good job, Kimi. I mean, consider the circumstances. He had a stiff neck. He was a little bruised up from that shunt he had early practice. He was carrying an absolute huge amount of fuel. I mean, Raikkonen didn't, la- uh, didn't come into the pits until lap 25. I mean, so he had an awful lot of fuel on the car, still qualified fifth with that amount of fuel, still was strong enough at the launch to get around, um, get around uh, the fourth-place starter of N- uh, Nick Heidfeld. I mean, he drove as hard as he could, in a lot of pain, in a track where you do sustain a lot of G-forces, it's the fastest track on the Formula One calendar, and he still he puts Ferrari on the podium. Now, if Ferrari wasn't on the podium, that would have been pretty disastrous yeah. for the Italian fans. So, you know, he got a much bigger roar and applause from the crowd than either one of the McLarens. Yeah, with the Ferrari fans, it's like they almost... Obviously, they, they, it's huge if they win, but just having their guy up there on the podium is such a bigger difference than a fourth place. I mean, they don't care about the points in the Constructors' Championship for that. It's just you know, their man is up there. They get you know all the horns going off and all the flags and all the Ferrari red in the stands. It was definitely, definitely good just for the morale of the, the, the team and, and the fans to, uh, to have a Ferrari on there, especially after Massa's early retirement because Felipe Massa only made it 10 laps in the race before he, uh, you know, exited the race supposedly for suspension. It seemed like maybe a gearbox issue or something on the rear of the car, but well, you know, Felipe Massa was only in there for 10 laps. And there's even more speculation there because the one of the things that was said well, is he was having a rear-end issue, and some people are speculating that the rear-end issue Massa was feeling was the same issue that caused Raikkonen's car to crash in practice and that Raikkonen was trying to cover it up by saying it was his fault. Yeah, the whole thing was kind of hush-hush um, when Raikkonen said, oh no, it's driver error, when it really, really doesn't look like that if you're looking at the film. And uh, it seems like, you know, it's Ferrari's home Grand Prix. They really don't want to show any weakness to their to their teams, you know, to, to the rivals and so on. And I mean, I guess it was sort of damage control by the, by the end of the race when Kimi was just holding on to third. He really wasn't under threat from uh, from Nick Heidfeld in fourth. But when he lost uh, when he lost second place to Lewis Hamilton after that, it was just kind of like, all right, just get this thing home and get it on the podium. Uh, but they were really trying to you know not show their hand with uh, you know with the the crash and and you know and then with Massa's uh, failure too. I mean, they really didn't say anything about it or you know come out with any um, any other news about that. Yeah, so what's interesting too is, you know, we've talked a little bit about the Drivers' Championship here, but also the Constructors' Championship is really pretty close. Ferrari has 143 points to McLaren's 166. Now, Ferrari had just come off a 1-2 finish in Turkey, which really closed the gap, and now McLaren comes back with a 1-2 finish here at Monza, and especially especially with Massa getting zero points, I mean that yeah. really was a, a good haul for McLaren. Yeah. So what we have developing is uh, a two-way battle within the team, within the McLaren pits for a drivers' championship, which could be really come down the wire and could prove pretty brutal. I mean, these guys are not best friends. Yeah, I could see this. I mean, with with four races going, I mean, this could come down to an on-track battle. In Brazil, I mean, it, which would be pretty exciting. I think that'd be that'd definitely be cool. But it definitely could come down to that, um, to something you know, we're on for position, you know, for the championship in the last race, which could be pretty wild. But if Ferrari does prove to come back with more strength for the last four races, which Raikkonen promises they will, 
They say that Ferrari is going to be a stronger car at Spa, which I personally believe, you know, there could be a pretty serious constructors championship between Ferrari and McLaren here. So Ferrari isn't out of the championship as a constructor, but their drivers are at a pretty outside chance for the drivers championship. And in third place in the constructors championship is BMW, very solidly in third. They are 48 points ahead of fourth in constructors Renault. Uh, Williams is fifth, Red Bull Renault is sixth, Toyota seventh. Now, mention this in the race report. Eighth in the Constructors' Championship is the Super Aguri Honda team. Ninth is the Factory Honda team. With four and two points, respectively. Which, ironically, our boy Takuma Sato scored all four of Super Aguri's points, Mm -hmm. and our boy Jensen Button scored all two of the Factory Honda's points. But... This was the first race, I would say, of the season where Honda looked like the factory team. Yeah, I mean, Jensen Button brought home a point, um, you know, the eighth place spot, but they were in the points for a while. There were definitely points during the race where both cars, um, you know, they were, I think, running sixth and eighth or something, you know, just the way the pit stops got shuffled around. Absolutely, and, and Jensen Button and uh, Nico Rosberg were having great scraps, the Williams Toyota and the Honda. So that was really cool to watch. Yeah, they were actually looking racy, and, uh, you know, they, they qualified reasonably well, and, you know, it's it's unfortunate they only got one point out of the whole deal, you know, for all their efforts. It was it was one point, but I guess you know they've learned to savor every point they can. I these think days. they were very happy with it. And Rubens Barrichello, while not in the points, was top ten, was on the lead lap, so it was not all that bad of toy, uh, all that bad of a day for Honda, considering the uh, situation. Now Rubens Barrichello before the race said they'd done a lot of work on both the front and rear suspension. They still have aer- aerodynamic efficiency issues, but that the front and rear suspension work allowed them to tune the car better and get better balance. Yeah, and I think Honda is really looking forward to Fuji. They apparently are still, they have a, another pretty major improvement uh, scheduled for the car to debut at Fuji, and that's that's got to be a really big race for them. I mean, that's like, like Monza is for Ferrari. That's their home fans, their home market, uh, and they really just want to show well there, so... It's rare that you see a you know big car uh, upgrade for the second to last race in the season, but um, that's that's what Honda's promising. So they're definitely trying to get as much development done and you know as much work as done as they can on the car to really just show well for Fuji's probably like you know they know they're not going to do anything amazing in the championship this year. Um, they, they just really want to look good in front of their home fans, I guess. And uh, speaking of you know back marketers doing you know having reasonable results, um, it's worth noting that there was um, the spec B car introduced for the Spikers this weekend. Uh, there was the new Spikers were running with uh, Adrian Sutil and Sakan Yamamoto. Pretty little piece, and they both finished, uh, which is a good deal for them. I mean, that's you know in the back markers, that's you you know if you can get it to the end of the race, that's that's certainly a good achievement there. Um, so both the cars proved reliable. Both the drivers were able to keep the cars together and out of you know out of trouble and. You know, good, well, good, you know, well done for them. They ended 19th and 20th. No big surprise there, but, um, they both finished. And that's, that's definitely good for, for Sakan Yamamoto, who's had some issues with, uh, traffic and walls and so on in the past. Absolutely. And, uh, one thing that I, I want to mention about Fuji, which I think is going to be slick, is Fuji's owned by Toyota. Honda, As opposed to Suzuka, which is owned by Honda. Which was owned by Honda. Honda doesn't care about anything else other than beating Toyota at Fuji. And this is, as far as Honda's concerned, this is Monaco. This is the race. You know, Japan is going to be all over this. Um, In Japan, Honda's actually not one of the heavy hitters. Toyota and Nissan are the two big companies 
in Japan. So if Honda can come out and beat Toyota uh, at this race, which on at, Toyota's turf at a track that Toyota owns, that would be huge for that company, and it's going to be extraordinarily important. So I'm not surprised at all, although I know absolutely what you're talking about. I'm not surprised at all that Honda is putting so much effort into this race. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been putting that amount of effort tuning a car, building a car for that track for a, for a fair amount of time now. Yeah, but in contrast, you know, Renault, I think, after last weekend, just announced they're not going to do anything else on the 07 car. They've just totally shifted their focus to 08 because that was sort of their problem from last year. They focused too much on 06 and then suffered for it in 07. Uh, this year, which you know Renault is sort of you know battling with Super Aguri's now, okay, so like with uh, Fisichella, so it's you know Renault has sort of said, okay, we're you know not worth spending more time and effort on on the 07 car. Let's just look forward to the next year and try to do what we can next year. But Honda sort of can't do that. You know, their big races at the end of the season, they've really got to do everything they can to uh, to show well at at Fuji. And I'm I'm looking forward to this uh, you know the Japanese Grand Prix. Because um, the front straight at Fuji is like a mile long or something. I mean, it's like this really long straight, and uh, it should be pretty wild going into an almost 180 degree turn one. Um, it just could be an interesting uh, race to watch, and it's it's cool to see you know a new track for you know they haven't been there since 1976 or whatever. So it should yeah. be uh, pretty wild to see you know modern F1 cars at Fuji. That's true. It's another one of those tracks like Monza where back in the day it was this ridiculously fast track and it's been cut up a little bit little chicanes but they've kept it pretty interesting the front straight especially yeah yeah so and it's all asphalt runoff and you know it's a good modern track so it should be you know even if cars go wide or you know things get crazy it's not you know they're not off in the trees or into walls you know it shouldn't be too much attrition it should be should be a pretty wild race to watch plus i hear there's good sushi there i'm sure there is so yeah i think that's about it uh, a little bit you know jim and i Absolutely love Monza, and we were looking forward to this race and for quite a while now. We were even considering dropping like $1,500 a piece to go out there. Uh, didn't quite have the budget for that, but it was a little disappointing that there wasn't, it wasn't a tighter race. I mean, we really thought Ferrari was going to have more to it, but in terms of strategy and statistics, it's proved to be a very interesting race. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just sort of pushed the championship down to the wire this much more. Um, even, you know, if, if Lewis had won and Fernando had, you know, had gotten some kind of problem and done back third or fourth, you know, that would have just extended his lead and really, really pushed the whole championship in that direction. But the way this is happening, it's like it's, you know, scripted to go right out to the end. You know, you yeah, can't, you can't write this stuff. So it's, uh, it's definitely interesting in, in that regard. And we're Actually, you can. I'm pretty sure this is awfully close to the uh, script of Driven. If anyone remembers that, uh, that Champ Car movie from a few years back. Way to go with the obscure Champ Car movie reference. <laughs> well, we'll see if in the final event a, uh, a Ferrari launches in the air about 150 feet. We'll also see if there's any street <laughs> racing through Chicago while oh, we're at yeah, it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure the drivers gets upset. And I don't know which girl would be the pretty girl that Hamilton's after that Alonzo ends up getting. You know, I have not seen that movie in so long, so we're going to uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to go ahead and uh, break for a week here. But Spa-Francorchamps coming up next weekend. That is another race that we are looking forward Spa to. Spa-Francorchamps! It was off the calendar last year, but it's back now. and it's Thank just, God. It yeah. deserves – no other track in Europe deserves to be on the F1 calendar more than Spa. Oh, come on. Silverstone, dude? Dude, Spa is the place. All right, all right. So we'll be back with you in just Belgian another waffles. week from uh, from you know from Livonia, but you know chocolate covering all the all the Belgian awesomeness. All rouge, exactly one of the best corners ever. And uh, until next week, I'm Jim Lau and I'm Robin Warner.